This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with an awesome guest, Sarah Shea. Oh, stop. <laughs> no, I will continue for an hour or so. Uh, uh, that sounds right. Yeah, that sounds about right for the podcast. So thank you f- uh, for coming and doing the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. I have been taking to, I used to just list everything that I knew about a person. And then I thought, why not let the humans do that themselves? So uh, can you tell people a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, I am a musician and writer from Seattle. I'm in LA right now because I'm on tour. <laughs> and you're using the official fancy voice for yeah, that? Yeah, official fancy tour <laughs> voice. I also have the throaty, I played a show in an LA bar last night voice. So. Yeah, it's a great, your voice sounds like you're about to just tell people absolutely what you mean. You're going to just give it to <laughs> Philip yeah. Marlowe. You're going to read him the business. It's yeah. great. I, I told Joseph, like, hey, I'm going to have a real sultry voice tomorrow. <laughs> Sorry about that. But, um, yeah, I also do a podcast uh, called Pilot House. Uh, me and my co-host, my friend Strangely, who's also a musician. Uh, we are also both uh, TV fans of the, the <laughs> art and form of TV. Uh, so we watch the pilot episode of a show we have otherwise never watched and then we try to sort of guess where the show was going with that. Yeah. To some hilarious results. <laughs> um, we're really stoked. One of our upcoming episodes is going to be about Frasier. We're both from Washington, from the Seattle area. Neither of us have ever watched Frasier. You don't know anything about Frasier. I mean, I mean you caught... have cultural knowledge Yeah, of I have the cultural knowledge. I've seen snippets okay. here and there. Of course. You've I'm... seen gifts of Frasier. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's impossible not to have caught like a minute of it here and there on TV. Right. But... We're both pretty sure we've never watched a whole episode, so that one will be interesting. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah. you and I first met doing uh, Miley Lewis's big uh, Thanksgiving versus Christmas yes. uh, holiday musical. And uh, you you still perform with your brother, right? Yes. Uh, we, were, uh, we performed in the musical with our band, the Mongrel Jews. We're kind of... Uh, in indefinite hiatus okay. slash not active right now <laughs> situation with the band. Um Still an awesome, great band. That okay, we love, and as you're performing doing... musically by yourself uh, as yeah. a solo act, yeah. So if people all... are interested in you musically, they can just look for Sarah Shea. Yeah, if you Google Sarah Shea, you will mostly find me. There's a couple <laughs> other Sarah Shays out there, but I'm the most aggressive okay. with the SEO. So <laughs> if you Google me, I think you'll find at least one living person in Canada and a dead farmer. A dead farmer pops up a lot when mm. you Google Joseph Scrimshaw. Oh, I hope he doesn't pop up a lot. <laughs> it's just I'm the same entry. Zombie visions right now. <laughs> the same specific entry. I don't know what he's doing to get his yeah. uh, Google metrics up so well. That <laughs> dead farmer from 1887. But oh my he's killing. I had this one brief period where, you know, Google will uh, prioritize news stories. Yeah. So every time you searched for me, you'd get my website. You'd also get a story about this woman with my name from like Kentucky or something who got arrested because she threw a co-ed sleepover birthday party (laughs) for her 13-year-old daughter where she rented a hotel room, threw her daughter and a bunch of her other 13, 14 your old friends in uh-huh. there with a bunch of booze and condoms and then said, bye kids, have fun and left them for the night by themselves. And like, you've memorized this story. You've read it more than once, obviously. I, I was, I only had to read it once to remember okay, like, fair enough. girl, why are you besmirching my name like this? Yeah, it's weird. It's almost like she was like, obviously not appropriate, but it seems like she's just trying to create like a raunchy 80s comedy by just throwing yeah. all the ingredients in one room and leaving. Uh, yeah, it's like she watched a bunch of those old like, like 
sex farces or something yeah. and went, that sounds like a like a good coming of age experience for my daughter. <laughs> terrible, terrible. 13, oh my lord. Terrible. So let's transition from mm-hmm. the, the horrors of Google searches for our names to your topic. I'm really excited about this topic. Uh, as always, when I email back and forth with people, you offered a couple different things. But this was high on the list, and this is the film's of Ryan Johnson. Yeah. So, Subcategory, or in parentheses, pre-Last Jedi. <laughs> Pre-The Last Jedi. Now, yeah. why do you have to uh, make a parenthetical on Pre-The Last Jedi? Oh, let's just get this out of the way. Let's get right in there. I, not that I did not enjoy The Last Jedi. I did. But I spent most of the movie thinking, is this a Ryan Johnson film? Is this oh, a wow. Ryan Johnson film? Or is this a Star Wars movie that Ryan Johnson happened to write and direct? It, that might seem like splitting hairs, but as a yeah. huge Ryan Johnson fan, that's something I was thinking about. There's definitely elements of The Last Jedi that I was like, oh, that's a freaking Ryan thing. Yeah. That's a Ryan <laughs> thing. As much as I love his movies, there's always at least one line that makes me go, dude. <laughs> and in Last Jedi, it was Chrome Dome. I'm like, dude. <laughs> okay. Really? Well, maybe we'll, we'll uh, talk a little bit more about the one line. Yeah. That, maybe he puts it in there as his signature. Yeah. It does seem like as much as I go, Ugh, it does go, well, that's a Ryan thing for sure. But there were also visual things where I was like, that's a Steve Yedlin shot right there. His cinematographer that he's okay. worked on. All of his films, including Last Jedi. Yeah. That's one of the cool things I thought actually about him doing Last Jedi is he was able to bring a surprising amount of his regular crew. Yeah. Obviously, he couldn't have his uh, regular composer, his cousin Nathan Johnson. Um, you know, you're doing a Star Wars movie. John Williams is kind of, he kind of has first crack. Yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe Nathan Johnson, John Williams is out after episode nine. So maybe it's all Nathan Johnson from here out. Oh. Well, ju- so just to, to uh, give away my bias, like I love The Last Jedi. It is one of my favorite Star Wars films. I'm a huge Star Wars guy. I think most people listening to the podcast know I have the Star Wars uh, podcast for center. I have talked about The Last Jedi for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, I listened I to it. the Obsessed episode about oh, good. it, actually. Good, good. You're like, what do we not have to cover <laughs> in my episode? <laughs> and that, the episode of Obsessed we did about Last Jedi, that was me containing myself so other people could speak. So yeah, Last <laughs> Jedi is a little dangerous because I won't stop talking about it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, before that, I had seen Brick. I had seen Looper. I never saw Brothers Bloom. But I was so interested in exactly what you're talking about. What about The Last Jedi is a Star Wars film, which I think it should be, versus a Ryan Johnson film, which I think it always should be. So I just before we did this podcast, rewatched his first three films before The Last Jedi. Oh, good. And to me, that was a revelation because there are so many themes in The Last Jedi that I think are in his work previously, yeah. which is fascinating to me. Yeah. I think he definitely did. He didn't like, uh, what was I looking for? He didn't like hide his uh, his personality as a, no. as a director and go, no, I must make a Star Wars movie that is a Star Wars movie. It is still a Ryan Johnson movie. I think it's a little more a Star Wars movie, which is probably the way it should be. Yeah, absolutely. He's adding his addition to this huge franchise, this huge universe with all this history and everything. So he he was going to have a little bit of his personality sort of tamped down for that, I think. But what's interesting is that I heard a lot of people have the same experience that I did with Last Jedi, but for different reasons. A lot of people who are big Star Wars fans seem to have gone into Last Jedi with so much baggage, kind of going, what's this going to be? And, and Preconceived notions. Yeah, yeah, preconceived notions. And they didn't know how to feel about it after the first viewing. And then on the second viewing, they went, ah, oh, now I like it better. <laughs> and I went in with a lot of Ryan Johnson fan baggage. And the whole time I was watching the movie, I'm like, I'm enjoying this, but also my brain is working too hard thinking about what about this is a Ryan Johnson movie. Right. Tragically, between uh, finishing my brand new album, You Have Queer Street Cred, available on the internet now, (laughs) 
And preparing for tour, I did not have time to go see it a second time before it left theaters. Which That's was... okay. When we're done uh, having this discussion, I will just describe it to you again, okay. scene by scene. <laughs> I would like to rewatch it, and yeah. I hope I will have a similar experience of I will be able to be relaxed and just enjoy it as a movie more and not yeah. have my brain working too hard. About I think it. you will, and I, I would be – please let me know because I would, when you watch it again because I think you would be uh, excited to see it, like the underpinnings of his previous films are in there as like – deep textural stuff not just like the surface level like yep that's a ryan johnson style sight gag but also like deep stuff i think anyway let's talk about your obsession though (laughs) i want to know when you first discovered ryan johnson what was that uh experience what was the first movie and how did it affect you where was it all that i was actually just thinking about this and trying to remember how i actually first heard about brick and i'm not totally sure where but i think i saw like a magazine article that was like hey remember that kid from third rock from the sun he's in this weird indie film now and i was like that guy's cute i'll watch a movie with him in it (laughs) and then the movie theater across the street from my apartment i could see their marquee from my kitchen window had that movie and Brick wasn't in at all the theaters. No. It was a pretty small time. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's that movie that sounded cool with, like, high school noir or something. I should go see that. And between being sort of busy and sort of lazy and sort of broke, I didn't end up seeing it in the theaters. So even though Brick is one of my <laughs> number one films of all time, I've still never seen it in a theater. Because so you literally saw it outside a theater, but not inside a theater. Well, I saw it on DVD after okay. it came out. Um, but, I mean, physically you saw the marquee, but you didn't yeah. see the movie. <laughs> I saw the marquee and went, I should go to that. Yeah. But then a friend of mine saw it and went, oh, this is great. Sarah would love this. He bought the DVD, which actually came out on my birthday. And then we watched it that evening. And I went, I have made a grave error not seeing this in the theater. (laughs) That night, I was on my laptop. Like, I crashed at that friend's place that night because I lived way far away from him. And he didn't want to drive late at night. I don't know why that was important to the story. I just remember visually being on his couch in the dark with my laptop on my lap. And I did the thing I do when I discover a new thing I like. I Google it and find out more about it. Yeah. And the first thing I found was that Ryan had a website with a forum, just, you know, a PHP message board. And it was just a place for people to talk about Brick, which he started. And it was just Brick at this point. Brother yeah. Bloom hadn't come out yet? No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Brick was okay. his first film. He... Uh, it was one of those things that, you know, he worked on for a really long time. He did it on a shoestring. I think the budget was like 500000 or something like that. Like, yeah, yeah. But what I mean is when you were when you were getting on his website, there was no other film to discuss but Brick because yeah, Brothers Bloom exactly. hadn't come out yet. It was the Brick Forum. Okay. And it's actually still active, not as much as it used to be, but it's still around, still on the website. Ryan occasionally still pops in. But he was super active on it at the time, yeah. chatting with people, answering people's questions. And there's a lot to talk about with Brick. It leaves a lot of things open. There's a lot of things you could interpret different ways. Yeah. So I got super involved in this message board community, like right away, basically. And I noticed that... You know, the site was a little bit, you know, messy in terms of a message board. There was lots of, like, duplicate posts and spam posts and things because Ryan was mainly focusing on answering people's questions and not, like, you know, the being a janitor of this forum. Yeah, and so. I have run those kinds of message boards before. So I was like, I'm just going to message this dude and be like, I don't know if it's occurred to you, but you could make one of these people on the message board a mod and they could do some of the like house cleaning stuff, leaving you more time to just answer people's questions and promote the film. And I was like, I don't like to point out a problem without offering a solution. So I'd be happy to do it. But also don't feel obligated just because I offered. I'm sure there's someone who's been posting on the forum longer because there were people who'd been on the forum for a couple of years at that point as the film went to Sundance and all the stuff it did before it hit me on DVD. Yeah. And I said, if you have somebody else you know better, please, by all means, you know, 
pick them. And he just responded, cool, made you a mod, do whatever you want. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Okay, so I definitely want to talk about that, but yeah. I want to get a little uh, okay. clarity. So what year is this? I know Rick came out in 2005, but yeah. what year is this that you're ha- offering to be the mod for the site? 2006. 2006, I believe okay. that was when the DVD came out. Okay, so... Uh, August of 2006. And when you say you mes- messaged him, was that just a function of the site that anybody yeah. could message him? As mm-hmm. It was just a private message or was it a... Uh, uh, yeah, just a, a just part a little, of the forum, like a DM, you okay. know, just to his account. Like, hey, cool message board. I like your movie. Do you want me to like delete spam posts for you? Okay, and, and like, sure. Was that the only thing? As you became a moderator, what did you have to take care of? Was it spam posts, or were people getting like angry? Like, two thousand six is an interesting time because it's right before social media fully blooms mm, yeah. right uh but people have already discovered the uh thrill of being jerks on the internet that was discovered early on yeah. but were people getting like violently angry with each other about brick surprisingly i have been on a lot of different online communities and forums and all that stuff this was a pretty chill community people were pretty nice to each other we didn't get a lot of people coming in and being jerks i'm super close friends with a lot of the people that i met through that message board um one of them came to my show last night in LA. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Uh, and yeah, people were just pretty chill and pretty respectful because like, you know, people would come in and be like, I have this weird theory. And we'd be like, do tell rather than you're dumb. We've already talked about that or whatever. Like in years to come, people would see Brick for the first time and show up on the forum and be like, hey, I know I'm late to this movie, but I have this theory. And we'd be like, please tell us. We want to hear your theory. And even if it was a theory tons of people had come up with before, we'd be like, yeah, totally. Here's our ideas about that theory. We'd add to it. And just people were always really nice. We'd have dicks come in from time to time and be jerks, but they'd usually leave pretty quickly. Okay. <laughs> you know, people were, were like firm but polite to them rather than like being dicks. Um, I think, yeah, it was, it's one of the cool chillest communities I've ever been in online. Okay, so you you were moderators that obviously created some amount of investment in not just the film, but also Ryan Johnson as a filmmaker. I'm sure there's like lots of hot anticipation of what his next movie is going to be and all that. But I also know that like discussion boards uh, are a community onto themselves. And the most successful ones in those eras usually delved off into other things. So did everybody stay on brick or was there also like a Here's uh, some great instructions on how to m- <laughs> buy weed. Here's how you make lemon cake. Like uh, we, we did have a section of the forum for talking about whatever. Yeah. And people would still generally talk about movies. And uh, a lot of people talked about other noir films, especially initially right. when Brick was all we had to talk about. Um, but yeah, people would talk about other things, suggest music to each other, talk about just their lives. We have an ongoing thread that's still active for uh, film recommendations Okay, where people would post like a one to two sentence description of a movie they just saw. And at one point, Ryan said, uh, like, I just wanted to pop in and say, because he doesn't post in that thread very mm-hmm. often, but he was like, please never stop doing this because I've gotten so many good film recommendations from this thread. And oh, I that's have awesome. too. Yeah. 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 That's great. That's great. So uh, are you, what, is, what state is the uh, mod board in, or the, uh, the discussion board? Does it still exist? Yeah, it's still up. It's still on Ryan's site. It's less active than it yeah. used to be. It kind of tapered off. It, it built from brick into bloom and then kind of started to to taper off when Looper came out because at that point there was Twitter, there was Facebook. And when people wanted to ask Ryan Johnson questions about Looper, they did it on Twitter instead yeah. of coming to the... They didn't have to look where to find him. They just looked for him on Twitter. And he's pretty active on Twitter. So people yeah. were asking him questions there. So we didn't get... As much of an influx, which part of me was sad at the time. Like, 
Oh, I feel like the form's kind of dying. At the same time, we probably would have gotten some people we didn't want because Looper was his biggest film at that yeah. point. Obviously, it was it was a I, he's taken a big step with each of his films. Brick was such a small thing, even though Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a big movie star now. At that point, he was still kind of figuring out what kind of actor he was going to be as an adult. Yeah, you know, like the last thing he'd done before that was, I think, Ten Things I Hate About You. You know, he was still finding out who he was going to be, and it was a very small film. Uh, then Brothers Bloom has Mark Ruffalo, Adrian Brody, Rachel Weisz, Robbie Coltrane. It's got names. It's got a budget, you yeah. know, way beyond what Brick could have dreamed of. And then Looper, Bruce Willis. I mean, that's a huge step yeah, up. Yeah, Bruce Willis and Joseph Gordon-Levitt in yeah. Bruce Willis makeup. Yeah. Impressive. And yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt by now has become Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie <laughs> star. So it was. he's taken a huge step each time. So we probably would have gotten some people with Looper we kind of maybe didn't yeah. want. When... It was announced that he was going to do Star Wars. We created a sub forum for people to talk about his Star Wars film, even long before there was anything to talk about, because all they'd announced was that he was going to do the next Star Wars movie. We didn't know anything. There was no title. There was nothing to really... But people still wanted a place to talk about it. And to be honest, by that point, another friend of his had been made a mod on the forum as well, and he's a big Star Wars guy, and I was like, I'm going to let you take care of that. (laughs) I'm going to back off, because I love Star Wars... But I'm not a Star Wars fan. I don't get as excited. And You've actually, seen the movies like a normal human being, and yeah, you like them, right? Yeah. yeah. I've seen uh, all of the movies except for uh, episodes two and three. I saw episode one and went, okay, I see where they're going with this. Yeah, that's, really that's another yeah. rabbit hole I won't open to contain yeah. myself. Yeah, yeah. And I totally respect people. Yes. I, I'm happy for people who really like them. I'm like, yes, I'm please so be glad. happy for me. I'm glad to know there are people who enjoy them, but I kind of went, not nah, for me, maybe. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, I'm fine with them existing and not being for me. Yeah. So a thing I wanted to ask you about is I, I think one of the interesting things about Ryan Johnson as a filmmaker is he is he feels relatively accessible. And let me yeah. say exactly what that means. Like obviously you had a specific relationship with him with doing this uh, mod board thing for him and he would pop in when he wanted, which was a level of accessibility. Mm-hmm. But he is just very, very friendly on Twitter. Yeah. Like for myself personally, he goes to the same movie theater as I do, which is like for me a very different experience where growing up George Lucas was this strange, weird, exotic, unknowable God. And even if you met him in person, <laughs> he's a strange, weird, unknowable person beautiful yeah. weird human unknowable uh and ryan johnson is very like hey he's he feels like a guy that you could just maybe bump into yeah and and have a chat for you how does having an artist be very human very real accessible living in the same time you do a mouse click away how does that change how you interpret their art for you that is a really good question <laughs> Um, it's definitely given me a new appreciation for the concept of separating a person from their art. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, people talk about that all the time, usually in the context of a person being kind of a dick or doing something really shitty. (laughs) Right. When you separate somebody from their art, it's because they're a monster. Yeah. Usually it's going, can I still enjoy this art even though this person is kind of horrible? Yeah. Obviously not the case with Ryan, but it, it did make, I mean... I was I never know how to like describe our relationship because like we've met, we've hung out. You're um, thanked in the credits of Looper, right? Yeah. Because I just rewatched it last night. Yeah. It's was... not the Sarah Shea who had the horrible party, is it? What? The, it's not the Sarah Shea that came up on your Google search. That's you no, who's being no, thanked no, in no. Looper. Yeah, okay, exactly. good. <laughs> I was thanked in the credits for Looper. Um for one for a specific thing, not just for generally like man, the person who okay. knows or whatever. It was actually because 
Uh, he used a song in the movie, uh, I Want to See the Bright Lights Tonight by Richard and Linda Thompson. Okay. Which is used in the scene where, uh, with Joe, young Joe, and, uh, oh, I'm just blanking on the actress's name, the dancer at the club that he's in love with. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. Oh, but... Lord. I feel horrible forgetting her name. She's, I mean, she's been around. She's been in things. Anyway. Yeah. Um, she's, uh, the scene where the two of them have like a moment, uh, that song is playing and I introduced Ryan to that band and that oh, song okay. specifically by making him a mixtape for his birthday. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. yeah that, see, that to me is intimate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, and not, not, you know what I mean by the word intimate. Like, yeah. a true human connection, like a mixtape. Yeah. That's special. Yeah. It's always weird to know because I, I don't, I would never say that Ryan and I are friends per se. Right. We're not buddies. We don't text each other, you know, especially as he's gotten bigger and bigger and busier and busier, you know, we, right. we don't talk as much. But yeah, there was a time when we hung out. We went out for coffee when I came to LA for the premiere of Brothers Bloom because I had never in my life been so amped for a movie. Yeah. I usually hear about movies. I love movies, but I'm not like super into like following industry gossip and that kind of thing. I had never known about a movie this far in advance before. Right. I usually hear about a movie by seeing a trailer and going, that looks cool. And I imagine that was like a Star Wars level of speculation. Oh, yeah. Having moderated this this, uh, discussion board forever. Yeah, because... Long before the world at large knew that a movie was coming out called Brothers Bloom, he had told the forum, I'm working on this movie and here's some stuff about it. And he'd been talking about the process of writing the film and everything. So we had so much information about it leading up to it. I'd never had that experience before. And then when they announced it was going to be released in New York and L.A., like a week before the rest (laughs) of the country, I was like unacceptable i need to watch it the day it is available for humans to see yeah and i was like i'm flying to la i'd never been to la before and i'm like i'm coming down to la enough of the people on the brick forum live in la because a lot of people are like in the industry right and that's it was shown here and yeah uh, made a big deal of at arclight so yeah, i imagine yeah. that that's a lot of people saw yeah, it here yeah. exactly so i was like one of these guys on the forum will let me crash on their couch or something. I'm going down to L.A. And, yeah, we uh, we all met up and went and saw it the day it came out. Ryan did a Q&A at the Arclight at yeah. that screening. Um, Joe was there. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I, I'm always, I always go back and forth on the is it pretentious to refer to someone by their first name if you don't actually know them. But, like, I've met Joseph Gordon-Levitt, like, three times now. I think I'm allowed to call him Joe. I'm just taking Yeah, it. I would say that maybe too. Joe, is he, does he go by Joe or Joseph? Yeah, he goes by Joe. He goes by Joe. Okay. I know you feel very strongly about I Joseph. I do, I do. So I want to protect Joseph Gordon-Levitt yeah. from being called a Joe. If he no, doesn't want he to is a Joe. He He's goes a Joe. by Joe okay. and his... All right. So you family. so you went out then for coffee with uh Yeah, I went out for coffee with Ryan. Uh we actually ended up uh taking a salsa lesson together. <laughs> he after coffee he was like, I gotta run. My girlfriend and I are taking a salsa lesson. Do you wanna join us? It's like a drop in thing. I'll cover your fee. And I'm like, um, okay, I'll take a free salsa <laughs> lesson, sure. Anyway, that was a weird thing that happened on that trip. But yeah. this is the kind of accessible, chill guy he is. He wasn't having coffee with me to be like, I should meet this person who's done all this essentially free work for me on my website and do some lip service to this yeah. fan. He was like, no, we'll have coffee. Just, you want to come to this dance class? You know. Yeah. He's that kind of chill guy. Okay, cool. So that gives even more background for you to answer my question. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which is, Gosh, I'm sorry. No, I no, no, no. Really I, 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 I didn't mean that in a dickish way. Yeah. I mean it uh, honestly. Because, yes, yeah. that gives it even more flavor you have salsa'd with ryan johnson <laughs> yeah. so th- how does that inform you when you sit down and you're like i have i know you've dug into like the themes the ideas of yeah. his work the opinions you sit down to let's say watch looper so the next film you're like how does that how do you separate i've salsa'd with him versus do i like this movie do i like the direction he's yeah. he's choosing to take his art 
I honestly don't know how to describe it. I just know that I've done it. The yeah. Ryan Johnson that I have effectively worked for, you know, yeah. for free on his message board, but sort of had that relationship, so almost like a boss-employee relationship. We've salsa together. We've had sort of a friend-type relationship. And the Ryan Johnson who makes these movies I love are almost different people yeah. in my head. I don't know how I did it, but I did. Um and that's one of the reasons I was almost reluctant to suggest this topic. It seemed like the obvious topic. I know so much about these movies, and I care about them a lot. Yeah. But I was like, do I want to go on the record saying I'm obsessed with Ryan's movies? Which is why I really wanted it to say Ryan Johnson's movies. Not Ryan Johnson. I am not an obsessive yes, fan. Don't, I don't worry. I don't stalk him or anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've just kind of gone, all right, two different people basically in my head. Yeah. I, yeah excellent. That's very, very interesting. So uh, let's talk a little bit more about the movies then, mm-hmm. since this is about the movies. But if you want to bring up more about Saul scene with Ryan Johnson, that's acceptable too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you had to live in the world of one of his movies, which would you choose? Brothers because Bloom. they create Oops, different sorry. worlds. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. So bro- why Brothers Boom? Because it's, I mean, it's just, it's like a magical vibe. Part of the film was about creating a sort of, I mean, I guess each of the films has its own universe. Yeah. Really. Oh, man, you could almost argue that Brothers Bloom is the most realistic, even though (laughs) I think the characters in the movie would be shocked to hear that, you know? The filmmaking style has been described as being like quirky and and higher, uh, you know, more bizarre than real life. But yeah, yeah. in terms of what happens, uh, nobody is uh, floated with any sort of uh, force or TK powers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's not It's not science fiction. And it's not a high school where all the teenagers talk like they're in a, um, a Dashiell Hammett play yeah. book. So yeah, it's, I was like realizing in this moment, it's probably the most realistic, but I'm just such a nerd for that kind of stuff. Whimsical con men and... Um, you know, people doing card tricks on a beautiful steam-powered ship in the middle yeah. of the ocean and that kind of whimsical, magical kind of heightened reality. Yeah. it's And I say magical, it's not like fantasy magical. It's just, you know, things happen that wouldn't happen. Things fall into place in in a magical way. Yeah. Perfect. I mean, it's, it's two brothers who are con men who try to pull cons where their mark they make money but their mark is also left better for having been conned right you know right. they're not they're not trying to rip off this person and that's actually kind of Ryan's theory of the film as well he's he complained I not complained but he would say in interviews at the time a lot of con man movies are about conning the audience it's yeah. about tricking the audience and it's about the audience thinking everything has gone wrong and then all of a sudden, oh, there's the con man sipping a martini on the beach or whatever, like he pulled it off or whatever. And this film is a little more about letting the audience in. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of the first half of the film. I really don't want to spoil too much of it because I love this movie and <laughs> of his movies, this is the one people have seen the least because Brick got a lot of buzz for being this indie yeah. darling at Sundance and Looper got a lot of buzz for actually having a marketing budget yeah. and having Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce Willis in it. But a lot of people haven't seen Brothers Bloom, and it is easily my favorite um, in terms of a rewatchability and just a love. I think in some ways Brick is a better film. Yeah. You know, film. Uh, okay, with well, a capital let's, F. Yeah, let, let's go back to Brothers Bloom, yeah. Brothers Bloom though, because I am fascinated with you living in that world. I understand why mm-hmm. you like it as a film, I understand why the world is attractive to you. But one of the interesting themes that I think connects Brothers Bloom to Brick to me is this mashing up of different worlds, of an older aesthetic of early uh, 20th century, but inexplicably set in modern times. So I like that there are elements where Brothers Bloom is like, well, yeah, they have 
cell phones, but they're living this very early 20th century, maybe even mid-19th century yeah. uh, uh, life of, well, we are con men and we go on ships and Steam people ships are known as the Belgian and they're exotic yeah. and like it's all very, uh, you know, that, that aesthetic. So how would you want to fit into that world? Because it is both the actual world, it's... In this uh, this uh, theory, it would be 2018, yeah. but you would have an exotic, oldie-timey life. What yeah. would you be doing? Uh, I'm torn between wanting to wanting to be the Mark, the Brothers Bluewood Con, <laughs> because I know that it would they would take me on an amazing adventure. And assuming I had enough money to be of interest as a Mark to them, yeah, <laughs> I'd be totally okay losing millions of dollars to them, and then but then being like, I just had this amazing adventure that I will never forget. For so you would like life. to be an exotic heiress with emotional yes. problems that could be solved. <laughs> By the Brothers Bloom. Yes. Well, who among us wouldn't? Yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> Although part of me is like, it'd be kind of fun to be one of the like one of the people they hire just to be a part of one con. I don't need to be part of their tight group, you know? Yeah. But like somebody that they bring on just for the one con who gets to see the background. Yeah. That would also be very cool. Like, um, uh, oh man, I'm not good with names today. The actor, Norza Hetner, who is in Brick, also has a small role yeah. in Brothers Bloom. And she plays someone who, yeah, was part of the con. But ends up almost being conned a little bit along with it, you can you could say. Anyway. Yeah. I'm like, I want to be one of those people. Okay. I want to be one of those people who like helped out with the con <laughs> and then goes, all right, see you down the road, guys. <laughs> Fair enough. I want to ask you about a specific theme because it was one that uh, I've talked about a lot in The Last Jedi. A lot of people have talked about it in The Last Jedi, but I was I think it was the most resonant one to see how much it's in his other films, which is uh, men being emotionally rescued by women. How do you, do you agree with that? And how do you feel about that? Interesting. I don't think I've ever thought about that particular theme before, but I can absolutely see that in all of his movies. Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of it in Brick, but certainly Brothers Bloom, it's very much the story of Bloom being affected by this mark. Yeah. Uh, Again, not going into full spoilers. Yeah. You know, rewatching Looper, the first time I watched it is like, this is such a great twist on time travel. And Ryan Johnson is great at doing twists on existing genres, but then realizing the entire theme is, and the actual plot is, the future can be rescued if men allow women to help them with their toxic masculinity. Yeah. That is what the, that's not even like a, oh, a little sub theme. Yeah. To me, that, was the movie on rewatch in Last Jedi? Having you know, I know you've only seen it once. So much of what's going on is Poe needs to learn that you don't always need to do the daring, blow everything up rescue, which he mostly yeah. learns from Holdo and Leia. Yeah, Finn learns to be a part of a team instead of just worrying about his own needs, and he mostly uh, learns that from Rose. Luke is encouraged to, you know, get over his mistakes. And he learns that is a mix of from Ray and a little bit Yoda. So yeah. Yoda's there with the women helping a little bit with yeah. the emotional support. Well, I mean, but it's, it's never so explicitly prominent. stated in the films what Yoda's gender identity is. I'm just saying. He never says it <laughs> Sadly, it is on the StarWars.com website. But there is Yaddle, who is a lady Yoda. Anyway, so how do you feel about that theme? That, actually, I'm delighted to hear that because I absolutely see it. And I've never actually thought about it in those words. And that's that's nice to hear because part of me has always been like, I love these movies, but I don't all pass the Bechdel test. I'm just <laughs> not that the Bechdel test is good or bad, whether you know, whether a movie is good or bad or positive or negative. But Brothers Bloom is the only one. Yeah. And it just barely squeaks by because there is a sh- there's a shot without dialogue. We yeah. don't actually hear what they're saying. Um so technically they could be talking about a man, but they seem to be talking about photography. Uh 
uh, Rinko Kikuchi's character and uh, Rachel Weiss okay. are hanging out. They appear to be talking about photography and cameras. So okay. I'm like, there you go. <laughs> Two characters <laughs> with names talking about something other than a dude. Okay. So obviously, I, I know uh, your politics and you, you and I generally share uh, politics and social and world views. Mm-hmm. So is that something that has been discussed on the forums, the lack of passing the Bechdel tests in the previous films? Not really. Um I think that aspect, it's something also that, I mean, in 2006, we were all kind of less aware of Yeah, looking for that sort of thing in movies. So that definitely hasn't been talked about a lot. A lot more talking about plot stuff, about, um, you know, what does this part mean and how does this affect that? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to... I totally didn't prepare for this. I know you like people not to be prepared, but I wanted to be anyway. I? I like the honesty. I'm on tour, so I didn't have time to even sit down and go, hmm, You're Ryan busy films. being in the world of Brothers Bloom. You're yeah, traveling exactly. around. You're a wandering troubadour. Exactly. Fits. Ooh, that would be Waiting my name. Waiting to be conned. If I was part of the team, the troubadour. Okay. So in general, you, you feel like, I mean, you have an intimate relationship uh, with these movies. You are passionate about feminism and representation. Mm-hmm. Uh do you feel like that is a good message to be layered into films that men can look to women for guidance to let go of some of the uh, gross baggage that men have about you're only valuable if you, you're the lone wolf who does the cool thing and blows things up and then you yeah. go home and you get the rewards uh, or you know you, tamp and you, you just stamp down your emotions and that's how you make it through life. And then yeah. all these instances where women are coming through and going, no, look at things in this broader perspective... Yeah. Do you think that's a good message? I think it could be seen in a negative way. I think in general it's positive because you could look at that and say it's telling men, hey, listen to women, you yeah. dummies. <laughs> you could also look at it. I could imagine someone looking at it and saying, this is just telling men that women need to fix them and they should just let women fix them and women will fix all their problems and women have their own problems to do with so I could see it being seen in a negative way or having a negative impact or someone taking the wrong message from it. I think in general, it's positive, though. I yeah. think the, the message of listen to women, don't just like go off half-cocked and do your big man thing. Sometimes maybe women have something yeah. to say about things. I had sort of mixed feelings about the character of Haldo, but in general, I think that is an inarguable message. <laughs> like, you know, I love Poe so, so much, but, you know, maybe listen to women sometimes, buddy. Yeah, yeah. And Poe po, uh, pushed things with Holdo, and mm-hmm. I, I am firmly, I'm on hashtag Team Holdo. I understand yeah. why she didn't tell him the plan. Yeah. She, she was going to tell him when the time was right. Uh, all right, so I also wanted to ask you some uh, questions sort of based on some of the other plot points and ideas of the movies. In Looper, obviously, it is all based on meeting yourself 30 years later, mm-hmm. usually shooting yourself immediately. <laughs> but That's when things idea. go wrong, you spend a little quality time with yourself. If you could meet yourself 30 years from now, older you, 30 years older, what would you ask yourself about? Wow. That is... <laughs> That's a heavy question. I know. That's why I asked. <laughs> You're like, yes. <laughs> That's the point. Squirm. <laughs> um, gosh, it'd be so hard to ask because like, the instant thing you think of is to ask someone, like, how do things turn out? Certain things I'm worried about in life now. Tell me how they turned out. But part of me is like, I kind of don't want to know because, you know, you got to make decisions. You know, maybe yeah. knowing would change the outcome. You Absolutely. Know? Ugh, in, in many ways, I really wouldn't want to meet my older self okay i often think so you wouldn't take her to a salsa class if that's where you happen to be going (laughs) i mean 
if I had to hang out with my older self, I'd probably be like, let's just go to a dance class or something. Let's just hang out. Don't tell me anything about the future. I don't want to know. That's really fascinating. If the uh, 30 years older version of you did appear and you were like, shh, 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 I want to spend some quality time so I can just sort of observe you yeah. and process seeing myself older and, and see what you're like, but don't speak. Yeah. And if you do, you can be like, hey, I like sandwiches or whatever, but you can't. <laughs> you can't tell me anything of merit. Would you want that? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I, I Honestly, weirdly, I've never thought about it. I've thought of many, many times about whether I would want to meet my younger self okay. and give myself <laughs> advice. But um, I've honestly never thought about whether I'd want to meet myself in the future and see how things turned out. Yeah. Looper, uh, uh, again, not, not huge spoilers. It's the middle of the film. But Looper uh, seems to have the perspective that meeting your younger self is just a pain in the ass. Yeah. Because, which I really, really liked because yeah. it's just this sort of like, like, oh, I remember when I was this yeah. stubborn, this sure of myself. One of my favorite lines in that movie, it's from another character from the future, not from Joe, from his older self. This, the character says, he's like, I'm going to go to, Joe says, I'm going to France when this is all done. And the character says, I'm from the future. Go to China. <laughs> I just love that. Look, just just go with me on this. Yeah, there's that great little just peek of how stubborn people can be at certain ages. Yeah, just like, ah, oh, this kid. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I also wanted to ask you about uh, a, what I think is a really interesting theme that's there in Brothers Bloom. I think it's there in The Last Jedi. I'm curious if you think it's there in the other films that this real tension between is something valuable if it's real or if it is it just as valuable if it's a story it's the last jedi luke is wrestling with i because i let the myth of myself in a little bit i started to believe my own hype and i made mistakes and i don't want to be a myth i want people to see the reality of mm-hmm. who i am and uh ray and yoda up to a point convince him that well other people need you to be a myth so be a story for other people yeah. And that was really powerful when I was watching Brothers Bloom because like so much of that is about does it matter if the con is real if it's still having this great emotional effect on the people being wrapped into the con? Yeah. Oh, that is oh, that's another really good question. I hate it when people answer with, ah, oh, that's a good question because it's just buying <laughs> yourself time. But sometimes you need that the good question. It's, a, it's also, a fascinating thing as yeah. I do this podcast. Did people Ever mean that when yeah. they say it's a good question? No, I, that it really is. I And I feel so strongly. I have so many uh, strong feelings and thoughts about stories and yeah. the power of stories and storytelling. Well, let them out. Yeah. I, I was just at a Fringe Festival where I did a solo show that was about stories. Um, so it's in on my mind. Um, I mean, oh God, it's so hard to make a judgment call because like so much of Brothers Bloom especially is really non-subtext it is yeah. the text is about you know things being artificial and and they still have value yes i totally think yeah that. things can still have value and be important to you even though they are somewhat manufactured not explicitly natural or real yeah um but also that you do need things to happen naturally and organically in your life too you can't live everything controlled and everything contrived yeah um yeah, I think a balance of the both is yeah. important. And that seems to be one of the messages of Last Jedi, too, that, like, it's not invalid that Luke wanted to be a real person and to fight against his, his yeah. legend and his myth. But the the legend also had power as well and had value to other people. Yeah, so. exactly. So let me reframe it this way. Uh, if 
think of a treasured truth in your life. Maybe it's something you've heard from a parent or a friend and something that's helped guide you. And if they came to you and said, you know, I've been watching the films of Ryan Johnson. And I've been thinking <laughs> about the divide between a story and reality. And I have to admit that story I told you, it didn't actually happen. But it's given you structure or guidance in your life. Would you be upset or would you feel like as a student of Ryan Johnson, you'd be like, that's okay. <laughs> because I know that that stories can have value just being stories. Actually, something similar to that actually just happened to me. Oh, and wow. in the moment, I was devastated that the story was a lie. And I was super sad. And I actually told the person, is it okay if I pretend we didn't have this conversation? <laughs> but with time thinking about it, I actually embraced the reality as even more interesting than the story had been. Um, it was actually, a, I picked the album title for my new album, which is You Have Queer Street Cred, based on a magnetic poetry set my college roommate and I made out of magazines. Oh, cool. So all the words, it looks like a ransom note. And it has a lot of weird words and phrases you wouldn't normally see. And it's been on my fridge for like 10 years. And people would make weird poetry and phrases during parties. And the morning after a party, I would often look at my fridge and be like, my friends are friggin' weird. <laughs> and one time I woke up the morning after a party, looked at my fridge, and it said, you have queer street cred. And I was, at the time, just kind of coming to terms and the reality of uh, being on the asexuality spectrum. And that is an, a part of the queer community that many people go, oh, you're not actually queer. You're not part of this, you know, gatekeepering. And so that message was kind of powerful to me, yeah. even coming from my fridge. <laughs> and I never knew who had written it. And oh, it was this mystery wow. of who was giving me this message. And I just went, it, it came from the universe i don't need to know and i picked it as the album title and then i was driving somewhere with my brother and i mentioned i love the mystery that i don't know who said it and he went oh you didn't know that was me and i went oh man <laughs> but then i was like no i kind of love that it was my little brother yeah we're very close we were in a band together we tour together now and to have him give me that such a powerful message even though it's like sometimes i feel like i'm the older sister i should be the one yeah. shepherding him through life um, I almost like that better than the mystery of, I don't know where it came from. Did he put it there as a message to you? Or is that what he just happened to write that day? That's what's great, is he didn't mean it as a message to me. He was just putting some weird ma magnets together. And okay. was like, that sounds cool. So I could still believe the message came from the universe through my brother as a vessel. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's nice. Yeah, because I think there's something so powerful about it uh, because it forces you to address the uh, mundane of life, which mm -hmm. is word poetry on a fridge. Yeah. And the universe is speaking to me. Yeah. You're my dumb brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to your brother. Isn't that actually dumb? He's, he's uh, a very smart boy. He is very smart. All right. If you got a chance, let's say uh, you're on the forums, you're still checking in every once in a while. Yeah. And Ryan Johnson DM'd you and said, no pressure, but do you have a suggestion for what I do for my next film? <laughs> Is there an idea or a topic or a place or a character? What would you want his next film to be? I think, honestly, I would just say, just please do the thing that you've been wanting to do. If there's some idea you've had for a while, it's been kicking around in your brain and you haven't had time to do it because you've been busy with Star Wars for a few years now, please just do that. Yeah. Because honestly, I, I kind of had to come to terms with the cap on my Star Wars fandom when it was announced he was directing the next movie because a lot of people on the forums were like, this is the greatest news ever. I am a huge fan of Ryan Johnson. I'm a huge fan of Star Wars. They're coming together. This is the best news ever. And me, I was like, well, I guess we'll definitely get a cool Star Wars movie out of it, but I'm really bummed I'm going to have to wait a lot longer now for the next original Ryan Johnson film. Also, because he had always said that he would never direct anything that 
wasn't his original idea. Yeah. I mean, I understand that the the unspoken thing that even he didn't realize, the unspoken caveat was, I mean, except for if I was offered a Star Wars movie, obviously I would do that because <laughs> he's a huge Star Wars fan. Yeah. I always think it's funny when people are like, Ryan Johnson doesn't understand Star Wars. I'm like, are you nuts? Like, yes, he, he clearly is as big does. a fan as you, if not bigger, buddy. Like, he just has different ideas about it than you, as do all fans. Yeah, and that was one of the really fun and interesting things to watch is that his responses on social media and even in interviews to, okay, the floodgates have opened now to discuss Last Jedi. There, there were messages and moments from him that I interpret as, I'm a fan, and this is normally where I would say my opinion, yeah. but I also made the movie. Yeah. Weird. Uh, what is your biggest nerd fandom? I don't think I have one that's like, Far and away, that's my big one. Yeah. Um, like I'm a huge Star Wars, uh, Star Trek fan. Yeah. Ooh, rookie mistake. I'm a huge Star Trek fan. I was raised on Next Generation. My family used to watch it together every week. We were never allowed to eat dinner outside of the kitchen. We never ate dinner in front of the TV except Friday or Saturday nights, whichever one it was, to watch TNG because okay. it was on during dinner time. So if- it was a family thing. At the same time, I don't get nerdy about Star Trek on like a molecular level. Yeah. I don't go, well, what does this mean about this and that and the other thing? I have, I'm just rewatching Deep Space Nine now for okay. the first time since watching it on the air. So I'm not like a rewatching it constantly and thinking about it on a tiny fandom level. I don't have any fandoms that I get like really granular. Okay. About. So you mentioned Star Trek and Next Generation in particular. If Ryan Johnson announced he's doing a trilogy of Picard movies, would, would that excite you? Or is it just that you feel like anything where he is doing an existing genre, yeah. there uh, is a part of his work that will be obligated to the genre? Yeah, honestly, the mo- the thing I want most out of Ryan is for him to make his stories that he comes up with. Yeah. Because, I mean, uh, Brick, Bloom, and Looper, he wrote and directed the films. They're his original ideas. Once in an interview, somebody asked him, pre-Star Wars, of course, if you could make a film of any like comic book or novel or existing thing, what would it be? And he said, honestly, I never think about that. There's a disconnect for me. Not that I think there's anything wrong with making a film out of an existing thing. Just my brain doesn't work that way. It's like uh, seeing a really cool pair of boots and wanting to knit a sweater out of them, (laughs) which is one of my favorite analogies of all time. Yeah. And I just loved that idea that for him, it was just like, I don't know, for him, filmmaking was about from the ground up, getting the idea and then seeing it through to the end. So yeah. that was part of what really surprised me when he accepted Star Wars. I mean, I went, oh, I know he's a big Star Wars fan, so I guess if it was going to be one thing, this was the one. Yeah. But I was bummed. Well, to me, it seems more organic uh, because I think rewatching his films, now I have not moderated his uh, website for years, <laughs> nor have I salsa'd with him, but rewatching his films... They all come from a very George Lucas template. So George Lucas took all of the things that he loved as a kid. He just he tried to get the rights to Flash Gordon and he couldn't. And right. that's the only reason that Star Wars exists is yeah. because he took the things that he already loved and he put an amazingly fresh twist on them. Yeah. And to me, that's all of Ryan Johnson's films. Like, hey, I love Dashiell Hammett novels. I'll put a twist on that. Yeah, I'm really interested in these sort of a con men story. So how can I make my con men movie? Like, I, how can I make a fresh uh, take on time travel? Yeah. So to me, there is this organic growth towards, I'm going to tell a Star Wars movie, but I'm going to put a spin on it and tell my Star Wars movie. So for me... Is a Star Wars fan, and now at this point a Ryan Johnson fan, I'm really excited for his new Star Wars trilogy because everything that's been announced about it is 
we're just going to go somewhere way off the map, maybe literally physically in terms of the actual Star Wars Galactic map, and do whatever. Now, is that exciting to you that these Star Wars movies are not the next chapter in the main saga, but whatever, there's a sandbox that is Star Wars, and now he's going to go wherever he wants in that sandbox, and he's going to build whatever kind of weird gym set he wants to to play Star Wars on. (laughs) Is, does that feel more true to the essence of his filmmaking to you? I mean, when you put it that way, I, I, I would say yes, but I didn't think of it that way. When they announced they were giving him another trilogy, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Please tell me he's going to have a break to make an original film before he has to do more Star Wars. Yeah. He has to. Obviously, he's excited for it. It's it's amazing that they trusted him enough to offer him another film before they had even released Last Jedi and yeah. found out how people would react. I mean, that's I'm happy for him. There you go. That's a separation. As a friend, acquaintance, yes. associate, I'm delighted for him, for his career, that they were happy enough with his work to offer him another film that he gets to play in this universe and with even less restriction. Yeah. I'm super happy for him. As a fan, I'm like, I just want another original Ryan Johnson movie. Yeah. I know he had something cooking after Looper. He mentioned he was kind of working with some kind of cyberpunky ideas, oh. which I was surprised to hear him doing, thinking about another sort of sci-fi thing after Looper, but certainly maybe a different thing. And that's all he said. I think he... Maybe said it was cyberpunk, but a little bit urban fantasy or something. Oh, yeah. That might be wishful thinking because I love urban fantasy. Maybe I'm misremembering. <laughs> but I want to know what that story was. Well, I look forward to cyberpunk because that makes sense to me. That seems like a natural combination of a lot of the aesthetics that he likes. He likes, you know, noir and, and thriller that's mm-hmm. uh, in Brick. And he likes, uh, you know, twists on time travel. So maybe it will be just uh, the character from Brick many years in the future <laughs> when he has become a cyborg. <laughs> Oh, man. (laughs) That sounds like fanfic. (laughs) Brick 2, Cyborg City. I'm writing it. We're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. So these are questions I ask everybody on uh, the Obsessed podcast. Do you think about Ryan Johnson films every day? Pretty close, I'd say. Yeah. At least in passing. Yeah. Something reminds me of the movies, or I find myself, I'm a quoter. Yeah. I quote things that I love a lot, sometimes without realizing it. I'll say something in a certain phrase or voice, and I'll go, what am I referencing right now? That's something. I can't think of what it is, though. Okay. <laughs> um, and also, I have a poster from Brothers Bloom. Um, when the movie came out, they had a you know film poster with pictures of the actors and the words Brothers Bloom and flames and whatever. Yeah. And then there was a gorgeous hand-drawn poster that actually fit the aesthetic of the film that was drawn by Ryan's cousin, uh, Zachary Johnson. Amazing. How many cousins does Ryan Johnson have? So many, and they're insanely talented. (laughs) It's like upsetting. The Johnsons are so talented. His cousin Nathan composed the music from all of his films except Last Jedi. His cousin Mark uh, did a bunch of design work. I think he was involved in designing the the cool cell phones that they have in Looper that, okay. that like fold out. Yeah. Um, and then Zach did all the visual art in Brothers Bloom. All the art that the brothers draw that you see in the sketchbook, that sketchbook is a real thing. That is like my holy grail of nerd <laughs> fandom is I want to see that actual sketchbook because I okay. know it exists. Cool, cool. How often do you rewatch uh, the movies? Is that like a regular thing where you're like, it's been a year since I've seen uh, these first three films. I'm going to rewatch them. I rewatch Brothers Bloom the most, for sure. That's something I'm more likely to just throw on when I want to watch something. Okay. Brick, at this point, I actually haven't watched it in a while. And same thing with Looper, because Looper is so intense. I yeah. love it as a film, but I find it harder to get in the right uh, headspace to yes. watch it. 
I listen to the soundtracks of all three movies more frequently than I okay. watch the movies. But even with the Looper soundtrack, it's, it's also very intense. Yeah. So I have to be in the right mindset. <laughs> I'll put it on while writing and be like, oh, this is making me too emotional. <laughs> I, can't, I can't write this lighthearted scene while this intense music is playing. Understandable. When people walk into your home, can they tell you're obsessed with Ryan Johnson movies just by looking around? Yeah. Oh, so I already answered that question. The Brothers Bloom it. poster? The Brothers Bloom poster is front and center. <laughs> And it's the only, it's one of the only things in my house I actually paid to have framed nicely. <laughs> and Ryan, ugh, this always sounds like bragging, but Ryan gave it to me for my birthday. That's and very he nice. signed it. So people are always like, is that signed? What is that? Does that say to Sarah? I'm like, yeah, okay. Now I have to tell the whole story. It feels is that like Robert awkward. Johnson, one of Ryan Johnson's yeah. <laughs> cousins? Is that who signed that? No, the actual Ryan Johnson. Yeah. So Amazing. that's front and center in my living room. So yeah, that, I mean, other than that, if I didn't have that, Right, you but know. this the nice frame and the signature makes it an immediate conversation point. Exactly, Okay, yeah. interesting. Would you break up with someone who didn't like Ryan Johnson movies? Boy. I, Either romantic or friend, would you, would you end a relationship? I'm trying to think now if any of my friends have ever been like, I really don't like his movies. Yeah. Um, I know I have, I certainly have friends who aren't as big, huge fans of his movies, Um I try not to, like, force his movies on people. Right. When Brothers Bloom came out on video, I did have a party at my house that was Brothers Bloom themed <laughs> and invited people over, like, did you not get a chance to see this movie in the theaters, even though I posted about it, like, once a day? <laughs> Come to my house. and We have themed snacks. Because um, I'm that level of nerd, because I like having themed snacks at my parties. Um, we had waffles, of course, <laughs> and mimosas. Um, yeah, I, I can't imagine breaking it off friendship or romantically but i if i met someone and i was romantically interested in them and they were like not just i don't really like his movies or i haven't seen them right. but like i hate those movies i think i would have a hard time connecting with them right it seems yeah. like it just wouldn't happen because yeah, if you, they're not responding to these same themes visuals all these things they're yeah. not going to respond to you as a person yeah and if i first started meeting a new friend or a new romantic interest and i they hadn't seen the movies. I would probably show them at least Brothers Bloom, you know, or Brick first, probably. And if they immediately didn't like it, I definitely would be a little bit like, hmm, I'm no, I'm not, not a deal breaker, but I'm, I'm filing that away for later. <laughs> I'm not going to block you, but I might mute you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if there was a mysterious, frightening, dark cave in the woods, but someone told you a new Ryan Johnson movie was in there, would you go into the cave? I'm just imagining the cave from Brothers Bloom now. See, I wrote this, I, I've used this question before, and then when I was writing it, I was like, cool, that's like the cave in Last Jedi. And then I watched Brothers Bloom, like, oh, and that happens in Brothers Bloom, too. That's amazing. So there's some I must not have heard any of the, cave uh, the synergy. episodes where you talked about that one, because I was expecting a bear-related question. <laughs> oh, oh, that's coming, don't worry. Oh, okay. Um, uh, so would you go into the this dark, mysterious, frightening cave if somebody said there's a new Ryan Johnson movie in there? How long would I have to wait to see the movie if I didn't go in the cave? You don't know. Oh. You're just alone in the woods and I say, would, this this is the way to get it. It's in there. I would uh, ask Strangely to go with me, <laughs> my, my co-host on the podcast, who is also a huge fan of Ryan Johnson, okay. specifically the Brothers Bloom. I'd be like, so there's this cave in the woods. <laughs> and he'd be like, go on. Okay. So you'd go in there with someone else. What if you yeah. had to go in alone what if you did have to face the fear and the weirdness that's what i'm getting at would yeah. you do something that is both frightening and strange let's say it's also like it's it's mystical you go in there and then the world will have this movie it's locked in there oh if you don't go in there no one oh, will ever this see this is film higher stakes yeah if no one gets to watch this movie yeah would if you I don't face go in the, cave? the darkness and the weirdness 
and go in there? This is a very difficult question. I'm trying to imagine it in a more mystical um fun way because if i think about it like a real cave in the woods the answer is absolutely not no movie is worth a, a woman going into a dark cave alone in this world that we actually live in no way what if it has a sign that says mystical cave <laughs> if i had some evidence that truly made me believe it was a mystical cave okay then maybe yes okay fair enough fair enough all right well that's it's good to know where the boundaries are if aliens were coming to earth and you were appointed to greet them would you greet aliens by showing them a ryan johnson movie that's the first experience of Earth that aliens have. You sit down and say, here's Brick. That's an amazing question. Um, I used to listen to this movie podcast where they would ask the question, should we show this movie to aliens? <laughs> um, man, uh, maybe not the first thing. Yeah. I feel like there are probably other things that are better representations of human culture as a whole. Yeah. Um, if I was going to show one, it'd probably be Brothers Bloom. Okay, but, well, what um, positives? If you're going to show Aliens Brothers Bloom, what yeah. positives about the human condition do you think that aliens would glean from watching yeah. Brothers Assuming Bloom? Assuming they were able to understand that it was a piece of art, not a, a documentary or whatever. <laughs> this is not yeah. a message from the president. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think we send a message that, you know, we value stories and we value um, that, you know... <sighs> That thing we were talking about, about does something have value even if it's not true? Yeah. The value of the adventure in your life and excitement while still um, also representing this very, very strong bond that the brothers have. Yeah. And the importance that they are, the importance they have in each other's lives um, and how much they're willing to sacrifice for the other. Yeah. I think that's a positive message about humanity. Well, I think that'd be great because yeah. that'd be like, hey, here's how humans work is sometimes we get lonely and weird, but we really, really need one another. And we find one another even when we're resistant to it. Yeah. So watch out, aliens. Yeah. <laughs> so we will band together as humans if we need to. Or That's you always, can be buddies, aliens. Anytime you ask about what you should show to aliens, it's like a double question of like, I want to represent the best of humanity, but I also want to let them know we're nothing to fuck with. <laughs> exactly. I think Ooh, others, never, the, you can I swear. Oh, yeah. Okay. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Go for it. <laughs> Have fun with it. Oh, cuckoo banana sauce. <laughs> That's All right. the best thing I can come up Here's with. a new How Obsessed uh, Are You question Ooh, that I have not asked before. Exciting. Now, based on what you know of his films, would you vote for Ryan Johnson if he ran for president? <laughs> um, I mean, these days, he might be the best candidate. <laughs> yes, let's imagine it's uh, several years out from our current situation. Okay. There has been some balance has been restored to American politics. Good. And Ryan Johnson is running for president. Because, right, yes, right now that yeah. question is like, yes. Anybody. I would <laughs> vote for that fucking Ikea candle over there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, assuming there was another candidate that was even rem remotely suitable, I yeah. might go, okay, but this person knows how to be like a politician and do politics stuff. And also, if he became president, he wouldn't make any more movies for me to watch. So <laughs> maybe not. Okay. So you would, you would, uh, Vote against him in order to get that cyberpunk movie. Yeah. A vote uh, no for President Ryan Johnson is a vote yes for cyberpunk Ryan Johnson film. Exactly. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But if you had to trust him as a leader, do you think knowing what you know, uh, uh, the ideas he has expressed about humanity in his films, do you think those are the kind of ideas that you would want a leader to have? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think if, if I found out a political candidate was a huge Rand Johnson fan, that would make me more likely to vote for them, probably. <laughs> Get a little uh, extra donation. Yeah, be like, all right, this person knows what's up. <laughs> all right, good answer. So uh, we are going to move on then to 
the question you mentioned, which is the bear question. There we go. If you went to the premiere of a new Ryan Johnson movie, but the entrance was blocked by a bear, would you try to get past the bear? It's like the cave question, yeah. but different. Yeah. A little more uh, immediate threat. <laughs> yes. As opposed to just potential threat. Yeah. Well, we can decide if the bear is threatening or not. Yeah. I mean, if the bear was like just hanging out. I mean, you don't want to walk by a bear who's just hanging out in general because you never know when they're going to turn from hanging out to wanting to eat you. But yeah. if the bear was like already angry, maybe not because I have a strong sense of self-preservation <laughs> and I don't like pain. But if the bear was just hanging out and there was even like a decent chance that I could just kind of like chill, stroll by and look very non-threatening, then yeah, I'd go for it. Okay, you try risk. to be non-threatening to the bear. Yeah. All right. What if... Small. All right. So you try to be very small. You try to sneak past the bear in the door of the arc light, <laughs> but then the bear becomes angry. Do you... Does your overwhelming love of these films, your curiosity about the next one, yeah. take over? Does that get higher than your sense of self-preservation? No, I would probably run. Okay. I would probably go, how do I not die right now? <laughs> <laughs> now, I ask this question because I know that for myself, there are some things where the sense of self-preservation would be turned off yeah. in how excited I am about what's beyond the bear door. <laughs> and yeah, most people think, are like, are you nuts? So I think what I'm learning of this question is just that I have problems. <laughs> yeah, I think that there is uh, that is a cap on my fandom of anything. <laughs> You're not going to go through the bear door. Yep, okay, fair I will enough. go through that bear door. Fair enough. Uh, if every time you saw a Ryan Johnson film, someone else discovered that something they thought was true was actually a story, just somewhere randomly in the world, like we talked about with your experience, would you still see Ryan Johnson movies knowing that every time you sat down to see one, somewhere in the world, that Band-Aid was being ripped off and a story was being exposed? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because I know that that can sometimes be a positive thing. Yeah. Sometimes it's uh, it's not happy to know that. Uh, but like my experience with my brother, like sometimes you're upset in the moment, but then you it becomes a positive thing later on. So yeah. Yeah. Now knowing that like, you know, sometimes that'll be bad, but honestly, sometimes it's, even if it's not like a positive thing, it's good that you're no longer being like lied to. Sometimes it's positive for different reasons. So yeah, yeah I'd still do it. Okay. Especially if I didn't have to look that person in the eye afterwards and find <laughs> out if it was good or bad. Excellent. I asked everyone to make a noise to sum up their obsession. What noise can you make to sum up your obsession with the films of Ryan Johnson? <laughs> the only thing I can think of is... <laughs> it is the noise they make in Brothers Bloom, and it is the text notification on my phone. <laughs> Fire all the time. When when in Brothers Bloom does that noise happen? Uh, when they're setting up the how they want to uh, manufacture Bloom running into Penelope. Oh, okay. And he's like complaining about the bicycle. Yeah. Uh, Stephen and Bang Bang go. It's like a little like oh whiny baby, but it's this very unique noise that the, like the first time I heard it, I went oh if I had the kind of phone where you could set your own notification noises, I would make it that. And then like eight years later, I finally got a nice enough phone that I could do that, and I was like immediately ripped you know ripped the DVD to my computer and like made it happen. Nice, nice. I ask everyone to rate their obsession uh, on a random scale. Let's say uh, one to thirty, the number of years that you, in your loop. Yeah. Uh, from one to thirty. One being the lowest, 30 being the highest. Where would you rate your obsession with Ryan Johnson's films? Um, Let's see. Let's say 20. You know, a okay. little, little higher than middle of the road. Yeah. Than, than the, the kind of the middle points. Um, but definitely not at the top. Yeah. I wouldn't go through the bear door. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a certain amount. Even though I've separated Ryan the person from Ryan's films, yeah. there is a certain amount of crossover that you can't 
removed. There has to be, yeah, uh, I, because uh, I think he is a, a good filmmaker, which means that there's a lot of himself in his movies. Yeah, yeah. I think that meeting a person and getting to experience them as a human being does put a cap on how much you can be obsessed with them. Yeah. You know, I've I've had crushes on people, like musicians that I knew, and the moment I met them and knew them as a human being, it's not like I went, ooh, never mind, because they were a bad person. It just tamps down that 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 obsession or that crush because you're like, oh, real human being. You can't spin fantasies anymore when they're right. a real human being, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's very healthy. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, talking about that whole story, reality divide, that's yeah. a theme in his films. And I think it's something that we tend towards in our culture that maybe might start going away because of social media. Because, yeah. you know, even somebody that we have uh, really... Uh, deified and deserves it as an artist like say a david bowie mm-hmm. like david bowie got to be extra mysterious yeah but if like the moment that you know let's dance came out he was also tweeting about eating a ham sandwich <laughs> you'd be like <laughs> exactly. oh yeah david bowie is still real yeah he's still yeah. a human i think twitter especially i mean social media is sort of in a general way but twitter especially has given us this access to celebrities we didn't previously have that hopefully for some people some people it's only going to fuel the obsession because they're like they're so close yeah i could almost touch them but for a lot of people it makes them go oh this is a normal real person yeah yeah that's, that's awesome good. uh so you already did some plugs but let's do them again where can people find your podcast and find you on social media and all that uh my website is sarahshay.com sarah with an h shay is spelled more phonetically not the irish way s-h-a-y <laughs> Uh, I'm not Irish, unfortunately. And uh, pilothousepodcast.com is my podcast website. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at the Sarah Shea because some <laughs> jerk reserved Sarah Shea in 2007, tweeted like three times about the weather or what they had for lunch, and then abandoned it. Ugh. So I'm the Sarah Shea. I'm the one. You are the one and yeah. only. And Forget the, the stupid person yeah. with the party, right? Yeah. And my podcast is, uh, we're on Twitter also, is Pilot House Pod. Excellent, excellent. Uh, and people can find your music on your website and all that, right? Yeah, yeah. I have a Bandcamp store so you can stream my stuff for free and check it out. And um, a bunch of my stuff is also uh, can be downloaded for free. Awesome, awesome. And I will also take this opportunity to plug uh, the Thanksgiving versus Christmas musical yes. that was uh, conceived by Molly Lewis, written, uh, the, the script was written by Josh A. Kagan, and I directed it, and we're all in it. We all get to perform in it, and it's yeah. great fun. You can find that on Molly Lewis's site. Just Google Molly Lewis. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter, and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. Also, you can check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host, Force Center, for info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. You get access to our monthly patron-only bonus episode where my wife Sarah and I talk about something we are obsessed with in the moment. For full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. All right, here are our final weird questions. They don't have anything to do with the topic, the main topic, but you can force them into that if you'd like. (laughs) Force. uh... (laughs) Uh, The word (laughs) force just is too prevalent in our culture to be a pun. You got to use it sometime. If you could build anything out of Lego and it would come to life, what would you build? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, but ooh. is it? <laughs> I mean, it's it's good in the sense that it's hard. I guess some good <laughs> questions are easy to answer and some are hard. Um, oh, if I could make it come to life or make it be reality? Yeah. I don't know, an affordable apartment in Seattle? Boom. 
<laughs> That's a great answer because yeah. most people would go, I think, for like a beast or a creature of some kind. Oh, yeah. You're like, no, I want to live inside the Lego and I have am it be a poor real artist. cheap. <laughs> I also have a Patreon. I forgot to mention. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I like this. You build Lego uh, to build an apartment. On the outside of the apartment, there's an advertisement for your Patreon, yeah. and then hanging inside is still that poster from Brothers Blue. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> prized possession right there. If there was a dance move named after you, what might it be? Hmm. Oh, I don't know. Something really like fun and joyous that makes you feel good to do. Not okay. the kind of thing that's designed to make you look cool or sexy. Okay, but something that just feels like is pouring yeah. out of your soul. Yeah, something involves like jumping probably. Okay. <laughs> okay, so it's jumping in. Is it jumping in place or do hands fly up and flail yeah, about? Yeah, something. The kind of move you might do naturally when you're at a concert and you're seeing a band you really love and they start, you hear the first few notes of your favorite song. The one that you were thinking in your head, I just hope they play that one. The kind of like jump and yelp Yay. and okay. hands in the air. That would be the Sarah. <laughs> okay. And you just call it the Sarah. Yeah, sure. It's the one. The Sarah. The song we play, uh, we want is playing. Do the Sarah. That would be very, very interesting to try to keep that energy going for like, yeah, it's that note. Yeah. And then you have to keep doing it because it's a dance move that you have to repeat. I like that. Enthusiasm that might wear you out. Like, <laughs> oh, man. That's like that's like my tagline. <laughs> the final question for everyone on the podcast is what is happiness? Oh, man. I've heard the podcast so many times. Everyone forgets. It's I great. I had time to think about this and I didn't. What is happiness? Because, of course, your brain either supplies a warm gun or a warm puppy, depending on yes. what kind of person you are. <laughs> it's and a white it, comp It's hard test, to think yeah. of a real thing. Yeah. Um, happiness is sitting down on my cozy couch with the rain falling outside with one of my good friends, having a drink and watching the brothers bloom. Nice. Nice. And is that where you truly feel content, like you don't have anything else to worry about? Like, you have everything you need in that moment? Is that why yeah. that moment is happiness? All of your needs are met? Friends? Alcohol? Good yeah. movie? Yeah. Rain? There's, there's rain outside, I don't, and I'm, I have no plans to go out in it. Nice. Because <laughs> I'm yes. a Seattleite. I do love the rain, but uh, I like it better when I have a reason to stay inside. So, yeah. a cozy night, just having a drink with a friend, nothing to do, nowhere to go, a movie we both love on yeah. the TV. Yeah, in an affordable Lego house. That's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for doing the show. Thank you for having me. This is delightful. Absolutely. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. This is another of my favorite lines, which is Mark Ruffalo saying, is this the bathroom? No, this is camels.